0: Back, everyone, to R2Cast number 121. Last week, we had Damien of Tesley Moor Farm talking about getting into farming. When you hear someone say they're a new entrant you probably expect someone around my age mid-20s maybe even younger maybe a little bit older Uh, Damien is 52 and uh, he's talking about the challenges involved in getting into farming with no background no interest prior (coughs) um, at that age a really interesting story he speaks a lot about mental health he speaks about training gun dogs training now sheep dogs um, He's trained gun dogs since he was 16, so it's a, a good story there. The next episode we'll have is with Holly of uh, Cups on Cows, which you might have seen on Instagram, um, just a chat about her her life as well. So uh, lots of good episodes coming up. Today is, a, I would say, an extremely special one. Um, in February last year, the world was shook by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as we're all aware of. We've seen the... Just sheer catastrophe of what's going on in, in, you know, one of us as Europe's countries and the struggles that are being seen there, things that spring to mind is over 100,000 casualties, Uh, roughly from what I understand um, 10,000 civilians dead, more non-civilians as well. But what we as farmers and we as food producers and we in that sector uh, see Ukraine as as, is the breadbasket of Europe. And for that matter, one of probably the main three in the world. Um, You know, about 10% of of the world's wheat is produced there. Uh, From what I understand, about 80 to 90%, I think, and correct me, anyone listening, if these figures are wrong, uh, of sunflowers produced uh, in in Ukraine as well from Europe. Um, Just a, a place that is phenomenally fertile, amazing at what it does and we are now in the position that we almost don't care and don't consider that for a minute or two because of the absolute tragedy that's hit it. Uh, but there is a knock-on effect. We've seen massive price increase. We've seen um, <clears throat> uh, shortages of foodstuffs because this massive producer has disappeared. And we've got a fantastic uh, group on, well, one person to explain what the group are doing today um, and pickups for peace, which we'll get into what they're doing. But I'm going to pass you on. I'm just going to let Vince introduce himself um, uh, as, as our guest today. Vince, would you like to say hello?
1: Hi, um, and thank you for, for finding the time and bringing him onto the podcast.
0: Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space, with 120,000 followers on Instagram, they use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Um,
1: so just to introduce introduce myself, I'm one of the co-founders. Of uh, pickups for peace. Um, so, if you like, I represent the the English arm of the of the organisation, and there is a Scottish arm. I appreciate this is a probably a more focused Scottish uh, podcast. Oh, no, not at
0: all. At Any, all. Anywhere,
1: anywhere. Anyway, um, it, it was the accent that gave it away. I think.
0: It's, I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> Scottish, uh, but no, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know it's
1: it from, from the Dumfries area as well. So, anyway. It, um it, You know, we, it was actually founded from Scotland, it has to be said, the Pickups of piece. So Mark Laird and Keith Dawson, uh, both, uh, you know, um, important figures in, in not just the Scottish farming community, but uh, certainly in Eastern Europe as well, uh, were, were, were the sort of founding members with myself. So uh, yeah that's the background. Um, it's certainly not my full-time job. Uh, this is evenings, weekends and late into the night, I have to say, dealing with this stuff. Um, but uh, we all felt compelled um, uh, to to do something positive for Ukraine, um, and, and that's where pickups of peace were found, and we can go into that as I'm sure the podcast develops.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely well, absolutely well. And, and you said if it's Scottish focused event, so my I set a challenge for myself when. Uh, <clears throat> when i hit the about probably 50th episode um to try and film with someone farming or involved in food production from 75 percent of the countries on the planet so no it's very much anywhere not just scotland I'm, I'm i'm only at like 12 by the way but you know we might get there we might get there <laughs> like going at the rate we're going at we'll need about three thousand episodes but uh, we'll get there one day we'll get there one day so uh no it's, it's very much food production it's not solely scotland but um Before we get into Pickups for Peace, uh, Vince, I've obviously sort of given a bit of an intro on Ukraine there, and it almost needs no introduction, the situation we're in. But we'll we'll get into Pickups for Peace a wee bit later on in the episode. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? You said this is absolutely not your full-time job. Um, What what else are you doing? You strike me as one of those folk that just seems to have a million things on the go. (laughs) Uh,
1: My background, uh, so in, in about 2002, I started some precision farming businesses in the UK um we became the biggest uh, precision farming provider I- I- or independent precision farming provider in the uk um and uh, um, and then branched out into europe and africa um at sort of uh, over a million hectares using the the system uh and, and that got acquired in 2017 uh by a uh, by a big uh global plc uh, who own a, own a number of, uh, of of major brands that 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 that, that your 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 um your, your your listeners will 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 know and may or may not love in the industry. <laughs> but they're certainly the big ones. Um, so 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 that was a, a very successful uh, enterprise. It was a family business actually. I, I joined the business uh, as his son, um, and there was only two people uh, in the business when I joined. Um, my grandfather was actually one of the first people in the UK to take soil samples um, so back okay. in the, the late 60s he was uh, he was a pioneer in, in in that field so sort of in the genes I suppose a bit um, father took that on um and and, and uh, I was due to go to university is the truth uh, and I did the normal thing before we get to university. well I go and work in the family business for a few weeks to earn some well it's probably more than that six or seven weeks uh to earn some money before I go to university and uh, I decided at that point that uh, with help from some academics from Reading University, the, the soil science department there, that um, there was a huge opportunity in in in, in, in precision agriculture. Uh, and uh, I canned the, the the university idea, which um, to the horror of my mother, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and started and started what was intelligent precision farming at that time, went through various iterative stages now called RISA. Um, but
0: uh, oh, wow, and, that was Fraser. Wow, okay,
1: yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, 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 but but we, we were the background to a lot of the precision. You didn't people didn't realize that we were the the under underlying technology to a lot of the precision farming platforms in the UK, Europe, and, and Africa. So we were the sort of white label product underneath. So, so, so that's where it all started. Um, and, and then in 2015, uh, I got involved with with founding the um, UK government's agri tech strategy. So they put about nearly hundred million pounds into four centers. So there was AgriMetrics was first and then uh, AgriEPI, CL and CHAP. Um, And this was a capital investment by Innovate UK into trying to make the UK a global lead in agritech development, basically. And they had these four different centers to try and incubate and encourage uh, companies to develop technologies here in the UK and, and sort of accelerate the overall adoption not just in the UK, but globally of, of, of agri-tech. So I was a, a founding director and now chairman of, of, of Agri-Epicentre. Um, so that's the other job I do. It's not a full-time job, um, but uh, it's it's, uh, it's certainly a very engaging job. Um, you know, I have all the the fun and games of, of working close to uh, emerging small-scale businesses in the agri-tech scene, but then also directly liaising with government, which can, you know, has its challenges, if you like. So you've got to learn to um, deal with a whole range of, of society, I suppose, to make this thing, thing work. Um, but more recently, uh, back in, in the autumn, I mean, uh, I, you know, I've been very fortunate in life. I had money invested around the world and, and I'm actually married to a Ukrainian uh, lady. Um, so, so I felt it last year after, after the war began that actually I needed to do something positive in Ukraine. Um, and I wanted to invest in Ukraine. Um, my financial advisors thought I was suicidal going to invest in Ukraine in the middle of a raging war. And at that time it was, it was really, you know, no one knew which way it was going to go, but I felt compelled to go and help. And, uh, I couldn't pick up a gun and and fight. I'm not trained to do that. What I'm trained to do is, is help businesses grow. And so I decided to invest in a company called, uh, Central Plains Group, um, uh, and, and and I sat on the board of that, they're, they're big potato growers in Ukraine and they convert the potatoes into starch um, and <coughs> proteins and, and uh, I joined to try and help them create biopolymers. So then you convert that, that starch from the potato into what's called thermoplastics and those thermoplastics can be used for things like bioplastics. So the, the, the compostable plastic bags, or whatever it might be, um, bioadhesives as well is a, is another area that we're we're looking at. So to replace some of the quite nasty chemicals that go into you know, the the wood production cycle. But fundamentally, it's that technology layer on top of an agricultural practice is is is, is my is my background, if you like.
0: So, I mean, you probably operate primarily these days, Vince, as an investor. But are you also involved practically as well? Like you, you you obviously. You didn't go to university you jumped into family business were you were you on the engineering side of the ag tech or were you on the, what side have you been in since you got involved so no we we, we were really I did go
1: to university eventually but but uh, but only to do specific course Soil science was the course I, I did at reading um, but it, it wasn't a full. Yeah, I, you know I wasn't a full ticket it was uh, very specific modules and the only reason I got into that was that we were hiring um, professors from uh, from from reading anyway as part of our, our development of the uh, precision farming platform so I sort of had a way in sort of cheated the system somewhat and, and did the specific modules that I, I, I needed to do to get up to speed what we're doing so so yeah my, my background was 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 on pr- basically hanging together to describe what I do is I sit between academic teams and commercial teams and ensure that the messaging and the information is is translated and is relevant to what each team is doing and and that is often the major breakdown in any business is when you have a technical business is that the the techie guys want to build something um, and often it's not relevant to what the sales guys need in terms of commercial outcomes. So, so my job is to sit there in the middle and translate all that and deal with, with, with all the other bits and pieces going on. But um, that, that's where I sort of really found my niche. And and I guess I, I, I learned on the job uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, might be listening to this thinking, well, you, you know, university is your ticket to get somewhere in life. Well, actually I'm a, I'm an example of that's not always the case. If you're willing to apply yourself and, 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 and be, you know, explore different things, and, and you have to learn constantly. Learn, um, and I'm constantly learning still every day. Um, you know, when I took on the the role of chair of Agriepi, I'd never been a chairman before. And people think that actually, you know, to do those roles, that you you, you have to have grey hair. And you know, I'm a, I'm a young man. I'm not quite forty. At forty next year, um, and actually, the reality is that you can learn these things quite quickly, and it doesn't have to be through a structured um, university platform. Uh, you can do this with your own will uh, and ambition. And uh, that's something I've learned in my life is that, that uh, and people along the way have told me, you know, oh, you can't do that. You know, that will never work. Um, and, and the reality is if you apply yourself and you're willing to learn nine times out of 10, it will work uh, if the
0: idea is good. People, people love to say others can't do things. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's normally the people that haven't done or tried much that say these things. <laughs> yeah yeah Uh, no i i completely agree with the university thing i mean i I just said to you off camera vins that you know i work as a lecturer it's literally my job academia is my profession you know and i couldn't agree more uh you know it is definitely a way it's a very successful way but there is so many other streams there's a fantastic saying called no wrong path and i think it's so accurate in so many ways i mean you you must be an extremely busy person just in general and the time you've the the fact you've had a chance to to come on the podcast means a lot on that basis. But um, you you've created that. Now you've been through university, of course you have, but it wasn't it wasn't an, an a necessity, which is which is brilliant. But um, my to be honest, I mean, for those listening, I'd never spoke to Vince until about two days ago, at the time of recording. Um, I got in touch with Pickups for Peace, uh, having heard of them for a while, and then uh, they were on landward yes, landward. Um, And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I've got to get in touch with this. Got to share this story. It sounds brilliant. Um, so I, I didn't know Vince either until until he started speaking at the minute. So this has been an episode where I was like, oh, I don't even know what we're going to speak about. And then we'll get to pick up for peace. But I have got so many questions. Um, could you could you give us, Vince, a, let's instead of saying a day, a week in the life of you? Because it just sounds manic. <laughs> well, it is quite
1: manic. I've sort of got at the moment, I've got um, three jobs. Uh, I've got a young, a young, a young daughter and a wife that's heavily pregnant. So life at the moment is 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 complicated. But um, you know, I, I tend to be uh, spending probably two days a week on on my uh work which is you know is a governance role so I'm, I, my job is to look after the board um but we are going through a phase at the moment with the agritech centers to try and uh to try and um consolidate those and 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 create a, a more global picture for those to integrate the centers more more closely so it's taking up quite a lot of time i'm spending um a lot of time with uh but but when, when i'm talking about days here i mean a day in my life is not a nine to five um you yeah. know I'm, I'm up early and often i'm working on pickups a piece in in the evenings or or you know sometimes late into the night um but but i'm not alone on that there are lots of other people that that are, that are doing doing that um and then uh, and then yeah and then the cpg work which is central Plains group this is the company in, in western ukraine that, that i invest in and sit on the board of i, I also apply an awful lot of time i mean a, pretty much a full working week to that business because they need they need the support at the moment they need that that, that supporting hand because of everything that's going on and, and you know I guess it's given me I'm one of those people that's quietly very determined I mean the reason people haven't often heard of me is I don't particularly like the limelight no. uh, I like to just get on with things in the background and uh, yeah I, I appreciate I have to do you know things like podcasts and radio things and other bits and pieces um, but it isn't something that I'm I'm actively uh, looking to do but but one thing about the the Ukrainian element to the conversation today is 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 that passion. And, and as I said to you earlier, my my wife is Ukrainian, so the, the other portion of my week is spent up with with family time and trying to be a, a good father uh, is something that you know I could easy, I, my life could easily get wrapped up in you know six or seven days a week of work and you know with a young family it's pretty dangerous. I mean, farming as a whole bad at this. Yeah. Um you know uh, my my father was you know extremely busy. We didn't see him very much. Um you know that was very tough on mum. And I guess I don't know whether it's a, a cultural change in, in society as a whole or is to do with people working from home more. But but I I have a sort of although I'm very busy I still have this <laughs> at home which which which, yeah. which makes me want to come home and and support the family where where I can and, and uh, my wife would say that I still work too much um but but I'll always try and find find that family time if you like so it is a busy week coming back to the original question um but I don't think it's you know any different to a lot of people's weeks really it's just doing different things and uh working hard like most of the rest of the population I think
0: yeah absolutely absolutely is a is your is your son and obviously uh, sorry, not son, child, daughter.
1: Yeah, daughter. I've got a daughter and a son on the way. Yeah, that's, yeah,
0: that's what you said wrong way around. Um, the are obviously the 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 one on the way will be. But is your daughter born in this country? Born in Ukraine? Yes. So yeah. she's born here. So my yeah. wife my f- moved moved to the UK.
1: Um, so we we we, we <laughs> it's a funny story actually. So I, I was uh, just after the war start, the official war started, because everyone talks about the war starting in February last year. Actually, the war started in in twenty. 14, 15, really. Um, so so those who don't know on the podcast, Ukraine had a sort of revolution in in, in 2014, uh, the winter, so 2014-15 winter, where they basically decided that um, their government was uh, playing a trick on them. They promised that they were going to be moved towards Europe and sign a, a sort of trade agreement with Europe at the very last minute, um, their, their, their president of the, the day basically stabbed the population in the back because they voted him in on this premise Uh, and and he signed a contract with Putin. Um, And and that's what created the revolution in 2014. And those who remember the the Maidan revolution, where they basically just a million people went to Kiev um, and said, no, we are we are going to fight against this Um, and we will stay here and we will cause trouble until this this government is removed. And people don't realize, I I went to Ukraine with a huge um, stereotype or stigma, whatever you want to call it, the first time I went in 2015, thinking, well, they're just like Russians, right? It's just like that Eastern Bloc, you know, they've got to be like, you know, the whole thing. I could not have been more wrong in my my assumption. They are extremely liberal. um, And I know that sounds completely crazy, but they, you know, they believe in democracy, they they truly believe in, in the rights of people, they hate authoritarianism, they hate dictatorship, um, they desperately want to be part of Europe. And you've got to remember this country has been stuck between Europe and Russia now for basically 30 years. Um, and it's it, you know, they, wow. they, well, it's gone up a lot. Before it was sort of sixty or seventy percent wanted to go towards Europe, and the rest wanted to go for or stay as they were. Now it's more like ninety five percent want to go towards Europe, um, right. and 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 so 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 there's an important background there. So so the the join to link the link to Ukraine, if you like, was was back then, and the war starting back then. I actually visited the country in in 2015 on business, so. I was, I was invited by a company out there to go and, you know, pr- promote my uh, precision farming services in, in Ukraine. So I arranged a trip to travel from Kiev, which is the capital, which is basically in the middle of the, the country. Um, uh, and we went and Ukraine is huge. Ukraine is like yeah. <laughs> France and Germany put together side by side. It's massive. right? Uh, and, and so we travel. The, the, the itinerary was we're going to go to Dnipro, which is a city in the east, far So it's pretty. Near the front lines at the moment. Does that um, start with a D? Yeah, the yeah, 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 Nipro. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then um, we went down to Kherson, which was under occupation uh, uh, until quite recently, until the autumn this year. Uh, and then up to uh, a, a smaller city called Chernobyl, which is in, towards the west, towards uh, uh, Lviv, and then back back to um, back to uh, uh, back to uh, Kiev, and and that was. I don't know, I think it was like 1,600 or 1,800 miles to do that round trip. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I met my wife purely by chance. So um, uh, my, my interpreter dropped out uh, the, the day before I, uh, I, I was I was coming, or, or sorry, a couple of days before I was coming. And, and the guy that was hosting me didn't speak, speak very good in English. So he, he ran next door to the office block next door. And My wife's a designer by trade, but she speaks perfect English. And he was desperately asking all these people, does anyone speak English? We've got this chap coming from England and we don't really. And she so said, well, I speak English, but I'm not sitting in a car for six days with some random bloke that I've never met. And yeah. translating agritech speak that she's never been involved with. So he, he, she sent him off with his tail between his legs. And he went back the next day or the next hour or something with more and more money offered until the point where she said, oh, OK, you've offered me so much money. I'll take a week's <laughs> holiday uh, and do this job. So um, that was, that was history. So we spent six days in the back of the car. I can recommend as a good test of relationship um, or foundation of a relationship is to sit for six days in the back on Ukrainian roads, certainly in the East. I mean, the, the roads in the East at that time were being bombed. I mean, they were, you know, there were jets overhead. It was, it was, you know, it took us 11 hours in the back of that car to do about um, 500 kilometers. It really? yeah which uh, is not along, you know, it was slow. And that was all along the edge of that dam. So the dam that got burst very recently, which you'll know yes. about the Dam, that um, we drove along that road, basically, all the way along the, that reservoir. And uh, Ukraine had left it. It was bad. And they left it because I think they, 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 they predicted probably something similar might have happened to what happened more recently, but back then, but it didn't transpire that way um but but that journey really taught me about ukraine taught me about the people and you know i fell in love there um so uh, it sort of all it all happened um and, and then it went quiet and people really forgot about what was happening in ukraine for until last year uh, and, and i was guilty of that as well to be honest you know life gets on top of you you get busy um, and and so it, it wasn't it wasn't until last year as i say that that this war started and i felt absolutely compelled uh, to um, To get involved with hands on involved in business in Ukraine before I was providing services to businesses in Ukraine, um, and it was quite successful. It's a huge farming uh, farming block, as you as you noted. Um, and uh, we, you know, the war in some respects has has been a positive for me. And I know that sounds odd, but it's made me engage with Ukraine on a level that I never would have done otherwise. Um, yeah. And it's made me understand and appreciate the people far more. And I think this is where the global community has realized suddenly a lot of people wouldn't have been able to even point to Ukraine on a map before this war. Um, you know, they're very fortunate to have Zelensky as their, as their president. He is, he has galvanized the country, but also galvanized the Western world behind Ukraine. And they've demonstrated that, that they're not, they're not like the stereotype that I went with in 2015. They are different um, and and they, they would make extremely um, powerful and supportive European partners to the likes of, you know, the I appreciate we're not in the EU anymore, but European as a continent partners. Uh, they see themselves as European and they're yeah. desperate. They're desperate to join us and benefit from all of the stability that we have.
0: Well, I mean, listening to that story, Vince, I, I actually think you, you sacked your interpreter intentionally. <laughs> I really didn't. I was quite scared. But then I was quite pleased when I arrived at the airport and, and, and saw, saw what was
1: waiting for me. And, uh, yeah, it was just purely by chance.
0: I saw, do you know what? There's uh, It's quite funny. I've, I've obviously had... Over one hundred twenty episodes now, and, and it's quite funny hearing folks meeting stories. But that's that's up there. That's a good one. Uh that's uh What's the what's the term in a film? A real meat cute. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, people say it's a love story,
1: but uh, it is a nice
0: one. Know. The, do you know it? You, you mentioned someone couldn't point out Ukraine on the map, and that that is absolutely the case. I think that's kind of worrying. Just, uh, I'm a bit of a map map geek. In fairness, just you could show a map to a lot of people and say. Where is Austria? I've absolutely no idea, which is kind of kind of insane. But it has absolutely put Ukraine on the map, whether it's for the right or wrong reasons. But um I've got a couple of government questions, and I understand if you're in your position not able to answer them, but you mentioned Zelensky there. Uh, could, you, could you tell us, especially from a Ukrainian perspective, of which you'll have have quite a lot of of, of sort of touch and base with, um how how has that changed from the position Ukraine was in in 2014 um, when basically the, 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 the president went against the, the word of the people? I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification.
1: Well, look, there was a president in between before Zelensky uh, arrived. So, um, and 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 he was a pretty stable, you know, Western leading, leaning uh, president. And um, actually, when Zelensky got into power, um, twenty nineteen, I think, um, you know, the intellectuals in Ukraine were horrified because they they saw it as populism. He'd had a very um, famous popular. TV show which was all about mocking the government and this is a great thing about Ukraine right in Russia you could never have a TV program oh, God, the no. president, right? oh, oh. And, and it was the most popular show oh. on, on TV and it was about mocking the government, it was about uh, trying to highlight corruption um, and uh, yeah and he got into the presidency basically it's a bit like Ricky Gervais coming yeah uh, coming <laughs> Prime Minister it's the same sort of gig right but um, and, and At the time, I remember watching this as a you know, but you know, from from not not embedded in the country but linked to, and thinking what he was saying, he was going to do. He was going to clear out the old politics. He was going to bring in more business focused people, you know, these long term politicians that have been in politics their whole life. He was going to clean rid them of it, and and he he got in. He got in with a landslide. Really, Um, he got in with a with a pretty big majority, Um, and he did the things he said he was going to do. But the 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 um. The intellectuals and my wife being one were horrified you know that this guy has power and it may be a Slavic thing that you know you need to go to university to be a you know you need to do politics at university to be a politician you know it's a bit like what we said yeah. earlier on and um, I think that there was an element of that in the, in the overall uh, psyche of thinking in Ukraine um, and he was he wasn't he, he he just he seemed to get on with the job you know before the war he was getting on with it, he was doing what he could do. There were pluses and minuses. They have very free press in Ukraine. So there's an also awful lot of criticism. I mean, it's the same as here, you know, our, our government is constantly pounded by the press, but that's a healthy thing because it, it, it makes them up their game. It makes them consider different points of view. Um, and that's why Ukraine is, is a healthy and thriving democracy with four presidents in four terms and all those sorts of things. But Zelensky's you know, moment really came obviously during the war and when it started, and, and um, I think a lot of people genuinely thought that he would take the chopper that was offered by the US out of there, and would have been a proxy, you know, a, a government in waiting, if you like, um, outside of the country. Um, but but he bravely decided not to do that, and you know, his famous quote of "I don't need a ride, I need ammo," and he said that stood with his, you know, with his military leaders in 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 Kiev. Um, Really galvanised it, but but what's interesting actually, and this is something that that I think the listeners are imagine they're mainly UK based listeners. Um, we should be really proud of the UK's uh, involvement at the beginning of this war and before it started. Um, and a lot of a lot of people don't realise what we've been doing in Ukraine for some years since twenty fifteen. We've been training. We sort of trained twenty five thousand troops in Ukraine and uh, the British forces, um, and we were basically the first people to send the, the, the anti-tank uh, missiles. We sent a lot of them v- even before the war started. We, we preempted what was going to happen, um, and that, that stopped here falling. You know, that is a fact, and Ukrainians recognize that. I mean, I cannot. I'm going to Ukraine every three weeks at the moment delivering these pickups, and I cannot walk through the streets. Talking English to you know English people about you know without a Ukrainian coming up to us saying thank you for what you guys have done thank you um, because you you know they, they, Boris Johnson is a hero in Ukraine now I know for a lot of British people that will think well why the guy you know he's he's now a failed politician let's let's call it and uh, you know there've been various things that have come out about about his tenure in the UK but but you know he was the first major global politician to walk around the streets with. Zelensky in Kiev, in the middle of a war, being bombed, you know, and Ukrainians have never forgotten that. They see that as a pivotal moment in the war. Um, But as a whole, the UK can be hugely proud of what we've done for Ukraine. Um, We can always do more, um, but but if you ask the average Ukrainian, what is the country? That has done the most in terms of in terms of scale and and impact i would say more than half would say
0: the uk that's special that's i mean that yeah i mean it's it's poignant in itself isn't it and everyone that speaks to me about podcast about politics on this podcast realizes how little i know about politics Um i don't know if you're a conservative left them um, you're not gonna be smp you're not in scotland <laughs> uh, there's just I sure I am. you know, you might be you might be but uh that uh, politics interests me but at the same time I know very little about it and my comment on the Boris Johnson thing and maybe he hasn't been great and fine but I don't think anyone could be in the position of someone such as Boris Johnson, less Trust, Rishi Sunak, look at me actually knowing who the Prime Minister is, um, and be liked by more than 50% of the population. I just don't think it's possible. I think they're they're always going to be hated for whatever they do and they're going to try and make the right decision here and that's going to negatively impact here. But the reason I'm sort of saying that is Zelensky seems to be in the position that he has got the country behind him. Now you mentioned your wife was was very much against it at the time. Is is that still the case?
1: No, she recognizes what he's done for the country. Um but she will still argue and lots of intellectuals and you know business people in ukraine are still very skeptical about you know what he's going to be like outside of a war president okay. yeah. yeah. so but that's you know it's a bit like the winston churchill thing in the uk he, he was he, he had gone down as the greatest ever britain um i think we voted whenever it was in 2000 or nine. i can't remember sometime in the last 30 years we voted him as the greatest ever Britain. um actually the reality was yes he was a hugely important person during the war, Second World war uh, but his politics in peacetime were pretty naff, to be honest. <laughs> he didn't, didn't do much. He created a lot of carnage, and um, you know he didn't didn't hold power for a long time outside of outside of that war. So so it, it's, um, it, it you know it, it may be that Zelensky's time is is during the war. I don't know, uh, but he's already said that he's not planning to you know, try and hold on to president. You know he what he wants to pass this on after his term. Um, he said he won't he won't call an election during the war, which I think is very sensible. Um, and he will create that stability, if you like. Uh, but I don't see any indication in Zelensky that he's planning to try and hold on to power. He just doesn't seem that sort of guy, and he's got a young family, and he's aged visibly in this war. He's, you know, he really has aged, and um, it, it, he, he doesn't see his family much, and, and uh, you know, he's basically being pulled from pillar to post, keeping, I guess, global support for Ukraine and doing an f- unbelievable job Doing that, um, but the reality is that you know, he, I think he has a deep-rooted belief that you know a term should be a term and move on, um, and I hope
0: yeah. that will prevail. which I think speaks volumes of a, a, a positive democracy. I would say, yeah, yeah. Does um, yeah, no, it's interesting because I mean, like <clears throat> when Trump was voted in, obviously, what's that three years prior to Zelensky, um, it sort of opened up this. Gate, if you will, where the likes of The Rock and Kanye West started putting their names forward for presidency candidates and whatnot candidacy, and it just seemed so negative in the states. But the example we have in Ukraine seems so positive. It's really interesting. The sort and he, of, it's no, he, I know it's different. Yeah, but
1: he, he he is from he is from the TV, but he's a successful business person at the same time. He had a media company. I mean, he he's not. Uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be rude about The Rock and Kanye West, but um. And I'm sure they're very successful business people uh, or certainly extremely wealthy. Um, but there's a difference bet- between, I guess, being a celebrity in that sense and someone that's running a big organisation. And, and, and as, as I understand it, Zelensky did that, although he had a TV show on the side. Um, but I, it's interesting thought to, you know, did, did he ever really plan to take this or did it fall into his lap? I mean, this is something I'm sure he will write in his memoirs, but um, it's, it's quite an interesting case study because it I don't think there's any use case where someone has basically been mocking politics for a number of years, been hugely popular and mocking politics, and then they've gone, all right, then you have a go. <laughs> you,
0: yes. you, you know,
1: and 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 thank God for Ukraine that it was him at that time and 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 he was willing to to stand up um against you know, all the odds, but it is a David David and Goliath story. Is, yeah. Ukraine-Russia thing. And and he 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 is he is gonna become he's already a hero in Ukraine. Um, but I believe he will be a hero globally in terms of what a politician um, should should do and stand for. You know, he, he has no interest as as far as I can see, he can never say never, but he has no interest in holding on to power. Um, and And he made the ultimate sacrifice for his country yeah. in terms of not running away, not leaving with his family, not being in the luxury you know he's lived basically in a bunker to many you know india for for most of the last five hundred days um okay he's flown out the country from time to time um but uh, he's made a huge sacrifice to for the country and has been consistent throughout and, and the other really great thing about Cellespie is he delegates authority so he doesn't meddle with. With with his with his, you know with his war team he he lets Zelensky so who's the sort of head of the military there he lets him get on with with it, um, and uh, yeah I think that's that's a big part of his success as well.
0: It is so interesting. I mean, when you consider that story as a whole, <clears throat> I was when you had said he was a Ukrainian hero, I was going to say before you did he's somewhat of a global hero, and I think there's there's probably examples where you could look at politicians internationally and think they're very popular internationally but actually not that popular in their nation I mean one that probably jumps out I always thought everyone just loved Jacinda Ardern but when you mm-hmm. speak to New Zealanders it seems like a different opinion and fairness you know but that doesn't seem like the case with the landscape we're, we're focusing on a, a random thing here but it's this has turned into an episode that i've really enjoyed and and there's been more information than i ever expected it to have one more question before we get into pickups for peace uh, events you work with government <clears throat> um directly yourself how how is brexit impacting that or is it not really
1: you mean Brexit impacting the sort of agri-tech stuff or, or the... Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, the, the agri-tech okay. things, Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I mean, it's definitely impacted some of the funding uh, mechanisms that we, you, you know, officially we're part of Horizon 2020, so these are the European funding pots. Yes. Um, and, and we still pay in, as far as I'm aware, or certainly, you know, we can use the historic money that we paid in. The reality is that there is still, I think, a sense that... Um, yeah, European rightly feel that we've sort of turned our back on them slightly and um, you know I, I I just feel like the communication channels have been damaged uh, that's that's you know fundamentally we can still access you know the, the markets in a similar way to what we did yes there's some tariffs yes there's border paperwork there's hassle in the way but fundamentally that that's still that's still okay you can still do business um even if it's not quite as efficient as it was, but for me the the biggest challenge has been you know it's a bit like breaking up with you know your your partner you know there's there's always even if you're friendly there's always going to be potentially more suspicion more uh, more barriers in the way than if if you were still together um, and uh, I, I think you know. I can't find a very direct reason. You know, we've seen a ten percent decrease in 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 X, Y, or Z by Brexit. Um, that that hasn't been the case. Uh, I mean, our business continues to grow, and I would say our involvement in Europe uh, seems to be growing as well. You know, we're we're launching partnerships with with universities in in Europe and, and other bits and pieces. So, you know, it's not all bad, but you know it it's hard to sometimes justify the the relationship breakdown um for the so-say benefits uh, yeah. of, of Brexit Now, I'm not taking sides because I, don't, I genuinely don't really have sides I see I can see benefits both ways to be honest um but uh but 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 actually relationships go an awful long way in life and I think actually the Ukraine war has made me probably more firmly in favour of Europe. Um, okay. And perhaps I was, because I, I just see that actually this stuff can happen. I know it's a commercial block, and I know there's a it's a governance layer over a whole group of countries, basically, that, that help, I guess, maintain a standard within, within a block of countries that the UK felt wasn't for them at the time. Um, but when you see war in Europe and the potential divisive, and you realise that Russia were quite pleased with, U- the uk leaving europe um sort of makes you question actually what you know what, what 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 are we doing here what have we achieved what genuinely have we achieved uh by this um and i'm sure there are benefits um but i can't i can't put my finger on the benefits either really but but i know that the, some of the relationship has been damaged um because people rightfully feel like we've decided we don't want to be part of their little family anymore um it's like a like a breakup right
0: yeah and fair enough i think you know i think <clears throat> when when Brexit was happening we we're in that stage that we were like right it's happening but has it happened yet you know uh there was this idea that the eu is going to make an example out of us and i, I get i get that you know uh, it's been a long-standing relationship that's been i would say for a lot of uh, things mutually beneficial, like you, uh, Vince. I wasn't hundred percent sure myself, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Here we, we've we've uh, we've sat and spoke for forty five minutes um, about the thing I didn't intend on speaking on because you've <laughs> just became an extremely interesting. Well, guest. it is it's all, linked. It's all linked. It's all linked. Is how we got to pick up some pace. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, but uh, you yourself. Um, even forgetting that side of things is a, a very interesting story. And I'm sure we could have done a podcast with with you just talking about you. Um, but this is a big part of you as well. You see it happens in the evenings, but I'm sure it still is not just the odd 10 minutes while watching the telly. Um, tell us, tell us for those listening Vince, that haven't heard of and don't know what it is. What is pickups for peace?
1: So Pickups of pieces is, is now a registered charity, and 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 our core aim is to support uh, people on the front lines in Ukraine with with lightweight um, logistics vehicles, so pickups, four wheel drives. Uh, the roads in the east are pretty much destroyed by tank heavy vehicle um, uh, travel. You cannot drive down in a normal car; those roads, you, can, you know, a lot of it's off road. You know, the trench networks. There's, you know it's about getting food medicine recovering bodies you know and you can only do that in mobile utilitarian vehicles like a pickup or a four-wheel drive um the west has been very quick to provide all the heavy stuff which you know we're hugely thankful for but sort of forgotten and it sort of seems a bit below the you know the you know we're we're a big country why on earth would we provide you know silly things like pickups but actually you know, if you look at the Second World War and you talk to the military experts in the Second World War, the thing that, that won that war was the humble Jeep. Okay. You know? and, and, and they, they produced 500,000 of those Jeeps or more for the Second World War, the Americans. And they were scattered all over Europe. and Most of them were left in Europe. You know, farmers were using them to plough fields for after the Second World War, all that sort of stuff. But the reason that we won is so you had all those small, just, you know, so you could get food, you could move troops, you could do all those sorts of things as you go, you know, having a big tank or a big armored personnel carrier, carrier wow, great, you know, you can move eight people, but you're not gonna go and deliver some food to a trench or, or whisk someone away quickly with that. They're very obvious, they're very noisy, you know, it, you know these, these are about lightweight logistics and, you know, it's even recovering civilian people that have been trapped in a village, for example, um, they've been used for that. Um, so, so, that's where that's where it's come from. Uh, and we, so, so the very foundation was uh, in in December um, uh, last year. So, end of last year, we 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 took uh, Serene Duncan-Smith, uh, who's a, an MP, a Conservative MP, um, and Judith Cummings, who's a a Labour MP up in Yorkshire. We 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 took them uh, out to Ukraine, hosted them as a CPG group and um serene Duncan smith went to hakiv on the front line so we took him right out to see what was going on And what came out of that mission was um from the army was look guys we desperately need pickups because you know for these basic logistics feeding people recovering bodies you know get we just we just don't have them yes you're sending us all this other stuff but we need pickups well we're from farming stock for what the what the farmers have they have pickups especially old pickups that have been often depreciated through the businesses. Um, and we thought, well, you know, why not? So Mark rang me. So Mark who's the, you know, Mark Laird, who, who farms, farms in, in Scotland, but also has been farming in Eastern Europe for a long time. Um, he rang me in December and said, look, you know, he got this feedback from, from, uh, from, from the trip, uh, you know, what can we do? Um, and he sort of said, well, why don't we just try and send a hundred pickups to Ukraine? And we sort of laughed. I have to be honest, you know, the conversation was a bit like, yeah, good, good one. How do you, how are we going to get a uh, hundred pickups to Ukraine? So we both threw some money in a pot. We bought some pickups. Um, we encouraged others to support. And this would have been sort of January, February time we started this. It wasn't a you know a proper organization because we didn't have charity stages. Uh, um, and in March, we took our first convoy of sort of 20, 22 pickups, I think, to, to Ukraine. Um, and from that was the experience that we provided to these people uh, that, that drove them, because people drive their own pickups, um, farmers and, you know, it's a real mission. I mean, the, the trip is incredible, it's incredibly moving. And from that, it's a bit like a pyramid scheme. We did not design it as a pyramid scheme, of course, but they, they tell two people and those two people then want to yeah. fire up and they, you know, it's just grown in that way. Um, so we, we originally planned to do um, a, a 100 by the end of July, and we're now what the first just end of the first week of July or just after, and we've already delivered 160. Oh, brilliant! Um, uh, so that's that's and, and the farming community really has been at the core yeah. of that um mission. They have been unbelievably supportive at about 300 volunteers, you know, 300 people have visited yeah. Ukraine. Um, so most of those have never been before, most of them don't. Understand, but they've gone home. in The cultural exchange. There's an important cultural exchange there as well, um, and they're all fired up. And they often go back again with another pickup. It's amazing the amount of people. In fact, we've had probably six or seven people that have done nearly every trip. We've done six trips. If um,
0: you need a driver,
1: yeah. Well, you're you you're welcome. You're, you know, absolutely welcome to uh, to join us.
0: intentionally um, with
1: yeah, uh, it's a, it's an experience that you, you will never forget. I mean, you you have to read the. You know, social media and the, a lot of it's on WhatsApp. you go to the WhatsApp, but but the emotions that people feel when they go back, they, they visit the great the, the cemeteries in in Lviv that are just a sea of flags, Ukrainian soldiers, um, and it, it you know it, it drives home. It's devastating. Uh, it's a devastating experience to go and witness what we witness there um, because the loss is palpable. You know, you've got maybe thirty or forty you know farmers walking through a a brand new cemetery which is in a huge great big field in the middle of Lviv with a sea of flags for each grave Um, and at that point they realize the enormity of what they're doing because every one of those pickups they send can save a life and does save lives Mm. Um, and each person goes home with a really important story to tell which then it kicks into action so so i mean we, we will do we've got another mission going out um this week yep. um so that's gonna you know that's gonna up the total but but you know we'll, we'll be at 200 by by september uh 200 trucks delivered and, and we will continue until peace is restored um it's a it's a duty that we feel that we we have to do um, we've got a wonderful team on the ground in 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 ukraine that help us and support us Um, but we, we can really see the impact of what we're doing and we hear back from, from the military and from, your NGOs that are using the pickups, you know, how they've saved lives, um, and, uh, and how they're helping Ukraine in their, in their effort against evil, basically. That's what it is. I know it's a big thing to say, uh, but, 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 but the reality of what's gone on in Ukraine is not really public knowledge yet. Some of it is, um, but we, you know, we get a lot of it firsthand and, uh, the the healing that's going to need to happen in Ukraine when this is all over and globally that actually we've yes we've supported Ukraine but we've let Russia do what they've done to them in places like Mariupol and other places that that, you know the the trauma and then the understanding is not not public knowledge yet Uh, and the death is not public knowledge yet Um, and some of the you know some of the stories are just barbaric that's the only way you can describe it so it feels like we're doing something positive
0: to try and help Ukraine fight that particular battle. So you've clearly hit that target and flown past it and about to double it, as you said, by September. I take it that 100 now was just a thing to kick for, aim for at the start. You're just going to keep going now until it's no longer needed. Is that the intention? Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the the business model of this charity is for it to fail. We want Ukraine to succeed and we want to not need to send any other you know, old farm pickups to, to Ukraine anymore um, because it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's of its time. Um, they're not going to need these pickups once this is, you know, uh, once this is over. Um, so, so yeah, that's that, that, that's what we're going to do. But um, there's so much goodwill. There's still a huge amount of untapped goodwill in the agriculture. You know, we thought we'd run out of goodwill in the agricultural yeah. world. Um, you know, the press have been very supportive uh, in, in, in the UK, the agricultural press. But the reality is uh, we've got, you know, we've got to keep going. You know, the world has to keep going for Ukraine because that is the way they're going to win, is to keep turning up the pressure, keep supporting. You know, every time one of our trip pickups gets blown up and they do get blown up on mines or shelled, whatever, um, we have to send three more, basically. And we have to show that we're not going to stop that. We're just civilians doing this, but, you know, the... Governments need to keep doing it. There's a big NATO summit today, tomorrow, uh, and that that you know, I hope that will build even more momentum and, and show you show Russia that you're not going to win this. Um, we've decided as a continent that you're not going to win this, uh, and we're just a tiny nano part of that decision.
0: Yeah, I get that, but it's still it's not nano, is it? It might be a small part, sure, fair enough. But like you're saying, the importance of that pickup, yes, it comes secondary to like a. Uh, an armoured vehicle or a tank or whatever, but it's it's arguably more important, like you're saying. Um, could you tell us about... And I, I forgot, I'm sure the guy's name is Mark. It's Mark, isn't it? Yeah, Mark Laird. Yeah. Tell us about Mark Laird. What, what's Mark like?
1: So Mark is a, um, a very experienced uh, operator in Eastern Europe. So he's a great farmer. Um, he's got farms in Poland as well. Uh, Mark, I think, in, in the early 90s, uh, left <laughs> his farm in uh, Mimas, Uh, which is that sort of Dundee way. Um, And uh, he he went to Eastern Europe and went to Poland first, looking at businesses um, and and started a farming business there. Um, He then uh, branched out into Ukraine, which was obviously very risky at the time. Um, He created what's called uh, Continental Farmers uh, in Ukraine, which turned out to be a huge operation, sort of 250,000 hectares um in in ukraine i mean a lot of farming. You, know, you have to multiply everything by 10 in ukraine when it comes to farming um to get to the scales compared to the uk or more often but anyway so he he was very successful in in, in uh in, in, in basically farming and managing big farming operations um and 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 you know the funding related to that and and working in those particular regions um and uh you know i think his passion actually is is delivering those those successful farming businesses in in, in, in Eastern Europe, you know, he, his home is in, in Scotland and clearly he's a very proud Scot, there's no doubt. You know, he loves it when the Scots speak English at rugby. He keeps reminding me of that, uh, <laughs> which is a very painful time for an Englishman at the moment, I have to say. Um, As a
0: rugby follower, it must
1: be actually. I'm not rugby <laughs> right, follower. <okay. laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so Mark is, you know, he's a hugely experienced and um, hugely capable operator in, 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 the, in the sort of scaled farming world, food production. Um, so, so, yeah. And, and he, he, he really was, you know, he, he was the architect if you like for this. He, you know, he, he sort of came up with this wacky hundred pickups idea, you know, he floated it with me and, and we both laughed I thought, well, why not? We'll give it a go. We'll chuck some money in and buy some pickups. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is important to say, look, Mark and I get a lot of credit for things and Keith as well. Um, the reality is that there is a whole team yeah. behind this now you know we've got two full-time um admins that are you know because there's an awful lot of operational stuff that goes on here we're taking people to a war zone you know often 30 40 50 people to a war zone it's it's a it's a big deal and it's it's very important that we look after people's safety um and, and there's a huge team that do just unbelievable work um, for us and it's important that they all get the recognition as well because you know it's all well and good with us coming up with these you know these ideas and starting something but you know you need you need those absolutely wonderful people to maintain the standards and, and keep delivering the, the the impact that that we do um, and, and to be honest mark and i don't have um you know we're not necessarily the key components to that anymore you know it's sort of running it running itself
0: I mean, the, the, I think one thing that's probably quite important to ask Vince is you're not sending out 23 plate as Azuzu blades. So is, have you got mechanics? Are you restoring these pickups or are they going out? Exactly. After?
1: So so the average, average pickage age is between 10 and 20 years old, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so a 10-year-old one will be a new one for us. Yeah. Uh, they've often got 10,0, 150,000 miles on the clock, some more. Um, uh, we do check. So we ask for them to be serviced, MOT, they have to have an MOT. And they've got to drive three hundred. 100 sorry 130 sorry 1,300 miles. Get my words right uh, to get to Ukraine. So they can't be a complete dog. They just won't get there. It's actually a good test of the truck. You know, if it can drive to Ukraine, it's actually probably a pretty good truck. um But we do whatever we can, um, and then Ukrainians will also, when they collect them, they will do their own work on the trucks to get them ready. Should we say for, for, for they may they might see what we've done as okay, but they might want to do some chassis, you know, welding or whatever there might be a bit of rust you know we live in a famously wet country and they often complain about the amount of rust on the bottom of our old pickups uh, every farmer every farmer can uh, can relate to that i'm sure um but uh, so, so there's you know there's bits and pieces of work but, but but often they are touched up and they go straight to the front you know there is not a gap this is this is where people you know everyone that's done this uh trip and has contributed to pickups at peace. we don't have you know we hardly have any overhead in the in the organisation, so virtually everything is turned into pickups. All the cash we get is turned, turned into pickups, and we've raised near two million dollars worth of you know value in this in this last you know three or four months, uh, and and majority of that is turned into either pickups or things like generators or kit that's gone into the pickups. We fill the pickups with aid, often tires, four wheel drive tires, all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's. Like the, the reality is the key the key thing is the pickup and and, and 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 i think the newest one we've sent is 2017 which was like you know really new for us and the oldest i think was 97 Eight. yeah so it's quite old um and yeah it's, you know we just asked that they work and farmers as i say farmers have just been so unbelievably generous um um, but they felt, every single farmer come back and said, I felt like I've done something. I've always wanted to do something to support Ukraine. I hate what's going on. I wanted to do something positive, And you've given me the outlet to do this. It's a really bizarre thing because I'm saying, no, we're thanking you here for yeah. giving us the truck. And they're saying, no, we're thanking you because we wanted to do something, but there was no way to do it. Couldn't find an avenue to actually donate or, or do something positive. And they all go away thinking they've done their small part
0: in in, in helping Helping Ukraine get out of this mess, which is a massive part. In fairness, you know that it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R two Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Um. <clears throat> It's such a, yeah, it's been a thought-provoking discussion. It's been a, 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 an emotional discussion for some as well, I'm sure. And um, I think one thing I'd probably sort of like to finish on the pickups for peace part, Vince, would be if, if someone's listening and they want to get involved or maybe they don't have a pickup or they don't have time to drive to Ukraine, what, what can they do? I mean, the, the best
1: way to get in touch is, is via social media. Um, for those who use it, so pick up a piece on Twitter or Facebook or um, um, LinkedIn or
0: there is, there is Instagram as well. Instagram, i <laughs> I
1: trying to remember. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, just shows, um, you know, um, both both Anastasia, who's actually a Ukrainian refugee who supports the program in the UK, she lives in Glasgow actually, um, yeah. and and uh, and Georgia. Who's who's in in, in uh, Shropshire, very near actually the Pegrifby hub. Uh, both of them w- will respond to to, to social media, um, and uh, you can also uh, there's an email address as well, which is uh, pickups or peace at memus, which is m e m u s dot com or dot uk. Hold on, better check that. Uh, hold on, I should know this. It's yeah com dot okay. com. So. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's pickupsforpeace at memus, M-E-M-U-S dot and, and please reach out and, and you know, they'll, they'll be back in touch and they'll give you the options in terms of how you can how you can support, get involved. If you want to be a driver or you've got a, a pickup that you'd like or you think might be relevant to donate. Um, we can often, you know, even if the pickup needs some work, the charity can often fund the work to get the pickup ready to go. and then you know they could drive that so there's lots of different ways there's no absolute set formula to this um you know we're all in this to you know basically get the impact and you know on the ground in in ukraine and if that means being creative with how we work with donors and people in the uk we absolutely will and we've had to be um so just please get in touch you know we're an open organization it's for, for everyone we've had age range from 18 up to 80 travel right. yep. men and women um all you know it just it's a it's a real fabulous group that go and 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 you know when you go on a mission like that and you go in a convoy and you you're together and you enjoy the evenings i know it sounds odd but actually it's very enjoyable you know we have some great dinners together and you know check communion and, and experiences together And some of the relationships that have been formed on these trips will go on probably forever because it's been so emotional for the people that have been involved. Um, Yeah, so that's
0: that's the foundation of it. Once we stop recording, I'm genuinely sending off to the driver, genuinely, um, because I think it's an amazing initiative, I think if there's time that I can give to be a tiny part of helping what is a fantastic thing, I, I would love to. So, uh, no, it's, it's a, a brilliant thing that you guys have done. Um, I think all the listeners will be thinking what I'm saying at the minute. And if you are listening, you want to get involved. And um, as Vince said, there are pickups for peace at memus.com um, and see how, how you can get involved. But before, before we finish Vince, there is two questions I ask every single guest and I actually almost forgot to do it there because I was so involved in that. That, but um the first one is one where do you see yourself in five years uh, obviously two wee ones but then um and secondly if you'd any tips for folk coming into well it's coming into farming it's maybe a, a yeah let's go coming into farming what would they be or ag tech let's go ag tech
1: okay well in in the next five years that's a very good question i hope that i will be still involved in helping ukraine um rebuild and that will be on a commercial basis. So, trying to ensure that the organization we have in Ukraine, the business that we, we have in Ukraine, is employing as many people as possible and generating <coughs> revenue in Ukraine, um, because indirectly that's going to, or directly that's supporting the country. Um, you know, I want to see the UK thrive as, a, as an agri tech hub, a global agri tech hub. I think we have incredible universities, we have incredible people that I've got so much to offer agri-tech and, and so many good ideas. And, um, you know, in whatever capacity I will be in in five years' time, I won't be the chair of the agri-tech centres. Um, I am now. I've done my eight years, you know, my governance role, a, a bit like Zelensky, and you know, it's good good governance to uh, let other people take it on, and I will certainly be doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I will certainly be supporting the industry as a whole because I'm very passionate about that. And uh, and, I, and I hope that, 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 that we can continue to have a thriving... Sector, um, and I'm sure we will. In terms of um, you know people getting into to agriculture, and and uh, you know we there's there's this there's this whole part about you know the, the average age of in agriculture is getting higher and higher and higher, and young people aren't getting involved. <clears throat> I actually see it slightly different. You know, there are an awful lot of young entrepreneurs and people getting involved with the agri tech side. Um, I know that's not farming uh, per se, but what that's doing is really pulling out the young, hungry farmers, if you like, from farming families and who, who are who were visiting the hubs, who are getting involved, who yeah. uh, becoming satellite farmers for like the agri ap. You know, where we've got these technical farms where we, you know, got them all monitored up. And those guys, I met, I met, I met a few last week. Actually, we opened up our southwest dairy, and seeing that the you, you know, that I'm, I'm a young person, but they were sort of in their twenties, um, and uh, seeing the hunger that they have for the industry and the fact that they want to take it on and they're trying to learn about how technology can help their own family farming business. Um, I I just see agriculture as a hugely exciting place to be going forward. Um, And in terms of advice on people coming into farming is don't often listen to your dad or your grandfather because they'll tell you, like they told me, oh, you'll never get anywhere in this. This is all pie in the sky, you know. If you if you if you've done your own homework and you've rationalised it in your head, I would say be a doer. Don't overthink it. You know you're better off to do it and perhaps take a punch in the face from time to time and have to start again or whatever. I've done that, been there. Unless you actually get on and do something, a bit like pickups a piece, just do it. Right, okay, we're going to buy some pick. We're going to get. On. I know we're in a different position. Not everyone can just go and buy some pickups. Right. But the reality is. You know, you, you just need that spark. And whether you're going home and you want to put a new piece of technology on your, you know, upland farm or you've got a big arable unit and you want to change what you you know, think about the future, but be a doer is what I'd say to people. Um, there are too many thinkers in this world, and uh, often things don't get done when you just think about it for too long. Uh, and, and sometimes, you, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of the feedback I get is, well, I'm not, it's not ready or the idea is not ready yet. Well, no in life i i no idea is ever complete. no business is ever complete. you're always learning, so you may as well go and give it a go from the start um and you'll learn on the job um and 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 probably the people who do that will be successful. That's pretty much what I've learned in my life and seeing watching other people succeed is it's the doers that succeed. It's the people that not take the gamble but you know are proactive in trying to solve a problem or improve situation that they're
0: in uh, and that's that's how you move forward in my view I couldn't agree with the the thinking part people do overthink <clears throat> there's there's and I think a lot of people that that overthink see those of us that maybe don't as unorganized as a different thing there's a there's yeah that you can think yourself out of anything but um no I would agree with that I would mirror that completely um no here Vince I appreciate your time it's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat this was uh, a podcast I knew I would enjoy I was looking forward to hearing pickups for peace I knew there would be a bit of a chat about Ukraine but uh, it turned into an extremely interesting episode from you specifically perspective and then also also pickups for peace so thank you uh, for what has been more than an hour of your time because I understand you are a busy man um, I hope you've enjoyed it as well i have and uh, it's important i think for your listeners well you you should come on, on
1: on a trip maybe the september trip and i think it would be a great podcast for you personally to go and to, to 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 basically record the journey record the experience and 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 bring that back to your listeners because i think that would be a hugely powerful podcast um for your listeners to to, to hear because it will you know there'll be an awful lot of raw emotion in it but um it will it will help describe what you're seeing smelling feeling whatever on the journey and when you're in ukraine
0: if i can manage that i absolutely will september will be more difficult in fairness than to be honest, if there was even space next week, I'd have more chance in September. But if there's a chance that I can go, that is something I would absolutely do. We would get that out. We would try and share that far and wide as well. Um, but thank you very much for coming on. For those of you listening, I'm sure you've really enjoyed that episode. I know I certainly have. Maybe some of you, I think I think 1.5 percent of my listeners are from Ukraine. Funnily enough, so uh, there is uh, certainly some people that will be listening in with uh, an invested interest in and in probably quite an emotional, uh, quite an emotional connection to that discussion. So so um, thank you for listening as always. As I said, if you are enjoying the R2 cast, last week we had Damien Barson on talking about getting into farming at 51. Um, uh, next week we'll have uh, Holly of Cups on Cows uh, talking about her, her life in farming. Um, and the next episode we'll have of the All In series is with... Uh, a, a policeman in New Zealand uh, or Australia I can't remember it's been my co-host that's arranged it Um so speaking about that side of things uh, we're also going to have a player a rugby player at place for Scotland and um, so as I mentioned earlier I don't have a clue how rugby works so that'll be an interesting conversation with myself uh, I'll be learning a wee bit about the rules because Ed always tells me how little I know um, but I'm sure Greg will be able to help us in that one but yeah as always uh, thank you for listening and Dave Vince, appreciate your time hugely thank you very much thank you I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, Aplan Rural. If you follow Aplan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Aplan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of Aplan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at Aplan Rural and on Facebook at Aplan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.